Welcome to Fat Guy, Jack Guy. I'm Steph Urbino. And I'm Brendan Walsh. Today, we're taking a little trip to Seaside Heights. But first, we have a little message for you. Please become a patron of Fat Guy, Jack Guy by going to patreon.com backslash fatguyjackguy. For as little as $3 a month, folks, that's what, $36 a year? You get weekly bonus content and upcoming merch drops only for patrons. Let's go. Fat Guy. Well, brother, the cabs are here. Woo! <laughs> That's or great. I should say, cabs are here! That's very good. There we go. Today we're talking about Jersey Shore. And you know, I can't start talking about Jersey Shore without talking about where I was in 2009, in December 2009, when Jersey Shore originally aired. Let me set the cultural and personal scenes of what the end of 2009 looked like for me, and I think... For most of us, and I know it looked like this for you, brother, because we talk about it all the time. The U.S. was a year into the Great Recession, almost a year into Obama's presidency, and six years into the American war in Iraq. Everything sucked. <laughs> <laughs> I'm yeah. saying that. <laughs> yeah, like politically, yeah. economically, yeah. things sucked. Yeah. But I mean, I was having a good time. I mean, yeah, I was having, I'm about to talk about that right now. Yeah. I was having a great time. I'm saying it with my full chest, though. Everything did suck. Everything was expensive for the time, and it seemed like nothing was worth the money spent on it. Politics were wild, because even though Obama's election brought a lot of people hope, he and his supporters were ultimately powerless to do anything because of the Republican-controlled legislative branch of our government. Swine flu was a thing we had to think about, and this was pre-COVID, you know? So this was something we were freaked out about. And for some reason... Coverage of Somali pirates was stressing everyone out, and it just seemed like weird international news stories like this were always causing discord. It's true. The Somali pirates thing, wow, you just forget about <laughs> you it. You forget about it. Captain but it was, Phillips. But people like made a really big deal out of it. Oh, yeah. Things were very strange. And I know people probably have whiplash right now because it sounds like I'm talking about this very moment we're in, but stay with me. This was 2009. I'll say it didn't exactly suck like it does right now. There's definitely more of a feeling of hope in the air back then. I think you can agree with me on that, brother. And there was a lot less concern about misinformation and the way social media was slowly rotting our brains from the inside out. But the day-to-day was rough if you didn't have money or come from a family with money. And I didn't have money, and I didn't come from a family that has money. In December 2009... I was finishing the first half of my last year in college, and I was miserable about it. (laughs) I thought I'd be ready for grad school, but I was too burned out. During that time, I was taking 18 credits a semester and working two jobs. One as an editor and writer at my university's newspaper, which was a paying gig, miraculously, if you can imagine that. I can't. Uh, you can't. I, yeah, you can't. Nothing's a paying gig no, anymore. You would work at like a major publication now and it'd be an internship. Yeah, I probably made more at that. I probably made more per story at my university's newspaper than some freelancers are making right now. Absolutely. Which is disgusting. 
I had another job at Whole Foods in the smoothie juice and coffee bar also. The Lord's work, folks. <laughs> I was doing food not bombs every week, and I was involved in other organizing activities. On top of that, I was wildly social. My friends and I went out all the time, and we drank a lot, as most people in college do. Even if we had to be up early the next day, we stayed up late and just did what we had to do to make it through the day, which usually involved drinking a lot of caffeine or caffeine-related products, eating a lot of sugar, whatever it took to get through the day. Most of my days were packed beyond measure. It's a time in my life that I look back at and wonder where the energy came from because I truly have no idea. I guess that's just the magic and power of being a 21-year-old. It's true. I famously didn't get a hangover for about, you know, my yeah, first 10 I years never of had a hangover. drinking. Yeah, I never had a hangover. Probably in my late 20s, I was like, oh, this is pretty bad. What yeah. is this feeling after yeah. drinking 38 beers? Yeah, yeah, I never had a hangover until my late 20s. And then I was like, this is fucked up. <laughs> <laughs> I don't like this. That's why you have to stop. It's bad. But I still didn't stop drinking. No. <laughs> still spent another three years drinking heavily for some reason. I knew what I wanted to do after college, but I didn't have the actual capital or financial support of my family to do it. I'm sure this will not be shocking to anyone, but I wanted to be an investigative journalist. I wanted to work on hard stories, expose the harsh realities of the world we live in, and fight for change that way. But in 2008 and 2009, like right now, we had this big purging of media and publishing jobs, and I was too scared to take the chance freelancing until someone hired me full-time. So that wasn't an option on the table for me. I had to recalibrate, and I didn't want to. The, gradu the thought of graduating stressed me the hell out. Incredibly stressful time. Such a stressful time. Actually, I ended up crying for about three hours on my graduation day because I didn't want to go to graduation. I woke up at like four in the morning and just started crying. I was always looking for distractions and a lot of my friends were too. I don't remember how we heard about it because none of us really watch TV like that, but watching Jersey Shore became this thing my friends and I did together. I was the only person with MTV at the time because the partner I was living with insisted we have an actual cable package wow, instead school. of me torrenting anything and everything, though I still did that. So it was decided pretty quickly that we'd be meeting at my house every Thursday. I mean, Jersey oh. Every Jersey to watch the new episodes of the show. Usually, someone would grab a bunch of beers, we'd order food, or grab one of those Taco Bell party packs, and then we'd settle in to watch what ludicrous antics the gang was getting into that week. None of us were big reality TV show fans, though reality TV was really gaining popularity throughout the mid and late aughts. A lot of times, we weren't even sure why we were watching Jersey Shore. There was just something about being able to watch these eight, then seven, then eight again, 20-something-year-old guidos and guidettes that took hold of us. As far as distractions go, this was the perfect one. My life and my friends' lives were often difficult and chaotic for reasons outside of our control. On Jersey Shore, the forces were almost always within the cast member's power to control. <laughs> <laughs> They went out and got sloppy as hell, got into fights at bars and on the boardwalk, trashed the houses that they were living in that belonged to their bosses, brought home weird strangers who just wanted to fuck them because they were on TV. 
A couple of them slept with each other. One of them developed a drug habit off screen that impacted his work on screen, and they were always getting in trouble at their jobs. Meanwhile, since they only spent a few weeks in the summer filming each season, they still had lives back home they had to attend to. So they also juggled romantic relationships with people from back home with varying degrees of success and messiness. It didn't feel real necessarily, but it did feel like a slice of life. This was how some people lived. They had less responsibility than us, or they cared less about those responsibilities than we did, and they acted accordingly. Young people truly just being young and being paid to do so. What a concept. It, in rewatching some of these episodes... I sent him a list of episodes to (laughs) rewatch. Now, I'll be honest, I couldn't watch them fully. (laughs) But I watched enough to realize that, like, what is their lives? Like, watching this... The question that I had burning in my brain is how is this possible? It's a great question. It seems so exhausting and yet so (laughs) boring at the same time. (laughs) Your days are full of something. (laughs) Manufactured drama, maybe a little bit of work, but mostly gym tan laundry. Yes. Uh, And they had jobs. They they had some kind of a job. (laughs) Some some kind of a fake job. And then they're at the club every single night in these bars that reminded me of every bar in my college town. Yes. Awful looking bars. Yes, because your college town was similar in like the Seaside Heights way that it was a small place, but there were a lot of people there. Yes. At a, of a certain age. And and also a certain uh, ethnicity. Yeah. That yeah, I, <laughs> there were a lot of Italian absolutely, guys yeah. from Long Island yes. that attended my school and it felt watching this show like i was watching clips of, of my experiences yes. where you just have a lot of people in the street for some reason two people want to fight and you're just like don't do it Vinny. there's no fucking reason what are you doing and then someone like is like all right i'm done and then they go back and throw a punch this First was all, a life Vinny would never get in a fight <laughs> okay Let's not Vinny. straight about Sorry, this not Vinny. anyway go ahead i was just using a traditionally yeah, I, italian I american name <laughs> yeah it it felt really close to home in watching it because yeah. the times that you were doing it, you feel like this is the only universe that exists. And for these people on the show, it was clearly this is paradise. Yeah. Getting really drunk, getting into fights, hooking up in ways that don't seem pleasant at no. all, <laughs> and then waking up feeling kind of shitty and then doing it again. The funny thing is, and I was thinking about it as I was researching, was our lives were different, but like not that much different. You're right. You know? And I'll talk about that a little bit more later. <laughs> it's kind of fucked up because, like, yes, our lives were different, but not that much different. In terms of the social aspect of it all, I mean, and, like, the romance aspect of it all. Mm-hmm. Our lives were different, but not so different from theirs that we couldn't understand some of the things that they were going through. Absolutely. You the, know what I mean? The bullshit drama where half the people are not really sure why this is happening, and yeah. then the other half feel really strongly yeah. about it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I often found myself wondering why drama was occurring in same. the first place. Same. Yeah. Same. And I've I've felt, you know, there's some moments in the show that I'm going to bring up. I have like a top 10 of my favorite moments where it's just like the cast members are the they two of the cast members are fighting and the other cast members are like what the fuck? <laughs> you know, and that's like kind of how being young is. Yeah. Because people are always having conflicts around you and you're kind of just like 
can we just like talk about this or something? Yeah, it'd be nice or... to just let it go. But then you get in a conflict and you, f- and you understand now why that person felt the way that they felt. So it's like this whole thing, you know? Anyway, we ended up watching all six seasons just like that in my living room. Of course, we missed a few Jersey days because our lives were happening all around us. But it was a ritual we tried to hang on to and we were mostly successful at that. I'll say, I didn't know what a revolutionary cultural force Jersey Shore was back then. I knew it was watched and beloved by many people because I was having conversations about it at my jobs and at school, but I don't think I knew the full extent of its powers until I started doing research for this episode. In fact, I even found out that John McCain tweeted at Snooki in 2010. Very funny. It's very funny. John McCain at Snooki. You are right. I would never tax your tanning bed. President Obama's tax slash spend policy is quite, in capital letters, the situation. But I do recommend wearing sunscreen. All right. John McCain, you didn't tweet that. John, somebody tweeted that for John McCain. Okay? There's no way John McCain <laughs> knew who Mike the situation was. Uh, maybe he did. Okay, imagine. <laughs> Imagine both John McCain and President Obama are watching yeah. Jersey Shore, which for some reason it seems like it's a possibility. It's definitely a possibility that Obama watched it. I, I think it's a possibility that other people were watching it too. There was something about it that people were really into. Yeah, and I think we'll have to delve into the minds of people in 2009 to really know why. Even though I'm sure there are corollaries that exist now, nothing no. seems to have the same... Nothing. Resonance. Because you know what we did? We went back to how reality shows used to be before Jersey Shore. And I'm going to talk about that a little bit. There's a lot of materials examining the show beyond the ridiculous behaviors of the cast members. And we will get into some of that. But before we get there, I think we need to start with two basic things. So here's part two. What is slash was Jersey Shore? And I say is because they still have shows on MTV, folks. The yeah. whole cast... Still has shows all on of MTV. the members of Jersey Shore. Yes, all of the original members minus Angelina. So the situation who is in his forties. He's on their show Family Vacation. Yeah, they're all on the show Family Vacation. Okay, I don't yeah. understand culture anymore. <laughs> I have not watched. I'll be clear too, also. I've not watched any of the spinoffs. Good. Any of them. <laughs> Good I for you. stopped at Jersey Shore. <laughs> As I've already said, Jersey Shore is a reality TV show that follows mostly seven cast members as they hang out, work at a t-shirt shop and a gelato shop and a pizza shop, get wasted, fuck, and grow up in Seaside Heights, New Jersey. The development of the show rested on casting young people with with a particular kind of personality and subcultural performance that I'll get into more detail about later. MTV put out a casting call for young Guidos and Guidettes, and the whole idea was that they were supposed to be representative of this particular side of New York and New Jersey, Italian-American culture that has always kind of been around. I always think of John Travolta's character Tony Manero in Saturday Night Fever as a good example of like the pre-90s Guido, but the Guidos really gained popularity or gained visibility, I should say, in the 90s. The Jersey Shore kids were the new generation of this and really played into several cultural stereotypes, which is exactly what MTV was looking for. In fact, I like to think of them as the Italian-American cultural stereotype for the new millennium because everything was just so extreme. (laughs) 
where, where our parents grew up watching mafiosos bash people's heads in in movies, we had these beautiful freaks. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's actually a much kinder, gentler <laughs> Italian stereotype. Yeah, it is, it is. The gag was that none of them were actually from Seaside Heights or any of the towns near the Jersey Shore. Actually, only one of the permanent cast members is from New Jersey at all. The rest are from various places in New York, and one of them is from Rhode Island. Oh, I know. The situation's from Rhode Island, you know? No, it's Polly D is from I, Rhode Island. I thought of the situation. The situation's from, from somewhere else. Yeah, oh, no way. Uh, yeah. All right, we'll go for Polly D. Polly D is from Rhode Island. <laughs> yeah, good for him. <laughs> this caused a lot of random drama on the show. Some of you jurors heads might remember people in Seaside Heights constantly trying to fight with the guys <laughs> because they weren't from Seaside Heights or Brick or Tom's River or whatever. Mm. But ultimately, to me, it doesn't matter that, that much since the subculture they were representative of was the same from Philadelphia to New Haven to Miami. Yeah, the idea Guidos that there's... Guidos and are the yeah. same everywhere. You guys are all the same. They're all the same everywhere. Some have a stronger accent than others, but most still have an accent. Like I said, the permanent cast of the original six seasons of the Jersey Shore had seven members. Paul Del Vecchio, a.k.a. DJ Polly D. Oh, yeah. Vinny Guadagnino. He didn't have a nickname. Ronnie Ortiz Magro also didn't have a nickname. Mike Sorrentino, a.k.a. The Situation, which was his own self-given nickname. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Nobody gave him that nickname. You call yourself the situation. He calls himself the situation because he had abs. That's why he called him. You know, that's why that was the whole thing. He's like, I have abs, and they're quite the situation. And okay, like, well, the a lot of the anyway, other guys had abs as well. They all had abs, except for Vinny, I guess. Nicole Polizzi, who was Snooky, obviously, and that was a nickname that was like a childhood nickname because she liked to make out with boys when she was in like middle school or something. But she like brought that with her. Okay. Also, Snooky is the only person on the in the cast that had no Italian ancestry whatsoever. She's she was actually born in Chile. Her parents adopted her. Her family that she was adopted into is Italian American. No way. Yeah. All right. So she's like. Transethnic? Yeah, transethnic. <laughs> wow, what a progressive show. <laughs> I don't know. Jennifer Farley was J-Wow? J-Wow, sure. J-Wow. And then, of course, we have Samantha Giancola. She was Sammy Sweetheart. Yep. We also had Angelina Pivarnik, who was on the first two seasons of The Shore, but she was kicked out of the house by the Shore store manager, Danny, after she was fired. Danny owned the house they lived in for the summer, so it was a requirement of staying in the house that they had to work at the Shore Store, which is like a t-shirt shop, just so everybody knows. So it's a little bit of indentured servitude <laughs> It's as a well. little bit of indentured, indentured servitude. <laughs> if they didn't fulfill this obligation, Danny had the power to fire them and evict them from the house. Angelina did have one really, really great line in the series, though, which we'll talk about later. An old friend of Snooki's named Dina Cortese then ended up joining the cast for the second half of the show's running. So basically seasons three through six. Dina was a pain in the ass most most of the time, but I was a prominent Dina defender. (laughs) Because during her first appearance on the show, she described herself to the cast as, and I quote, a walking holiday Hmm. and a blast in a glass. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Which I never forgot and never stopped laughing about (laughs) to this day. 
Four of the show seasons, seasons one, three, five, and six, were filmed in Seaside Heights with the crew living at Danny's house and working at the Shore Store. The second season was filmed on South Beach with the crew living in this giant 12-bedroom mansion on Pine Tree Drive and working at Lekka Lekka, which is a gelato place on Collins Avenue. Still open to this day. No way. And the fourth season, arguably the best season for just ridiculous Italian-American stuff. This season is like that one episode of The Sopranos where they go to Italy, Mm -hmm. but it's for, you know, nine episodes or whatever. They filmed this in Florence... And they were living in this large-ass apartment just steps away from the Piazza del Duomo and working at a pizza place, of course. And it was called Pizzeria O Vesuvio, which is also still open to this day. Wow. They did one in Italy? Yeah. I had no fucking clue. Yeah, yeah. Wow, that's really funny. It was really awesome. Funny. Season four. It was one of my favorite episodes in season four. It, it happened in Florence. And okay. it's just like imagining this happening while they're... While they have this amazing opportunity to live in Florence. It's just... <laughs> Crazy. I'll talk about it in a little bit, though. I can't stress this enough that this show is truly about nothing but their summer lives. That's it. Maybe that makes it sound less appealing, but I assure you, watching 20-something-year-old Guidos and Guidettes living their lives in the mid-aughts was entertaining as fuck. A lot of shit went down in these seasons. But I don't want to jump to the highlights just yet, because we need to talk about something else. All right. Part three. We need to talk about some Italian-American stuff. Yep. (laughs) I'd love to hear what you guys have to say for yourselves. (laughs) Please explain. (laughs) Even though I get more shit for being Italian-American than I do for being a faggot, (laughs) I am... My favorite (laughs) part. I am bravely traversing these waters... To give everyone a better understanding of just what the hell was going on with the cast of Jersey Shore. Let me just preface this by saying that I don't give a shit if people make fun of Italians or Italian-Americans. We're white and we're ridiculous and to some extent we deserve it. But I do think something people need to understand about Italian-Americans is that our journey towards acceptance in this country wasn't easy. I'm not sure if I would even say that we're fully accepted. Mostly, I would say our whiteness protects us and gives us a lot of power. And as we all know, whiteness is the most is the most powerful thing in the U.S. And since we can hide behind it, it's become easy for Italian Americans to assimilate so deeply into American culture that they forget they were once not welcome here. I think it's interesting that people think they know a lot about American Italian American culture because they watch The Godfather and The Sopranos and Jersey Shore, or they've been to Little Italy in New York City or whatever. Y'all know our food and our mannerisms and some of the details about our existence here in the U.S. and assume that is what we are. And to some degree, that is who we are. This is not an episode about the Mafia, so I won't get too deep into it. But the Mafia was and is a very real thing. A thing started and maintained out of the necessity to survive and take some power back. We always talk about how The Sopranos is actually a show about the United States, not really a show about the Italian mafia. I, once again, don't have time to talk about Italian politics and the eventual unification of Italy and fascism in Italy fully in this episode. But suffice it to say that prior to the 19th century, there was a big incoming class divide between northern and southern Italy, and the mafia was a response to that. It became equally important to southern Italian immigrants in the U.S., 
Because as soon as they got over here, white Americans treated them like absolute garbage. Anti-immigrant sentiment was common, accepted, and excused here in the 19th and 20th centuries, and still is. Let's not pretend like it's not. (laughs) So anyone coming here was seen as a threat to the, quote, American way of life. Italians weren't allowed to apply for jobs or for housing. They were often discriminated against based on the color of their skin or the texture of their hair or the size of their noses. and were even oppressed in more severe ways through gang violence against them. Some of them responded to that by turning to organized crime, and then that response was demonized and caricatured for the next century by broader American culture. And I'm not saying you can't enjoy your mafia movies, folks. I certainly do. We love them. We love them. Goodfellas is one of my favorite movies of all time. But that's just the fact of it. Eventually, we know that Italian-Americans traded their otherness for whiteness the minute they were able to. Actually, this trade is very closely related to why many Italian-Americans are so insistent that Columbus Day stay a holiday here. They assimilated quickly, especially to the white supremacy part of it all, but Italian-Americans, like my own family, have always kind of existed on the fringes of whiteness, and there has mostly been a singular vision of who we are and what we do because of the stereotypical representations of our lives. Enter Jersey Shore. <laughs> I can almost guarantee that most people outside of Eastern Seaboard Italian-American culture had no idea what a Guido or Guidette was before 2009. Maybe you did because of your college. Yeah. But many people did not know that yeah. they existed. And I went to college with quite a few. Yeah. Many, yes. Many people did not know. Of course, Guidos and Guidettes are overblown caricatures in the same way the mafioso is, but they're also a very real subculture of Italian-Americans. The Guido and Guidette caricature was created by young people trying to stake their claim in a culture that was seemingly being defined for them by people who were not like them. It was an attempt to create something outside of what people expected. I bet nobody fucking expected me to find this type of material. (laughs) But the Guidos are heavily studied, my friends. Wow, okay. Heavily studied. Especially in the the time when Jersey Shore came out. There's lots of academic papers on Jersey Shore, like tons. Really interesting. Tons, tons. In Donald Tricarico's paper titled Guido, an Italian-American youth style, he writes... Guido neither embraces traditional Italian culture nor repudiates ethnicity in identifying with American culture. Rather, it reconciles ethnic Italian ancestry with popular American culture by elaborating a youth style that is an interplay of ethnicity and youth cultural meanings. What does it mean? It means simply that Guidos and Guidettes have taken some of the cultural characteristics of Italian Americans, strict gender roles, macho man behavior, loudness, brashness, etc., and amp them the fuck up because that's what American culture does. It makes everything seem bigger than it actually is. It's a performance of all our worst cultural traits with a fake orange tan and a musclehead exterior. That's what MTV was looking for when they were casting Jersey Shore. People who exemplified this kind of lifestyle, and that's exactly what they found. Wow, interesting. I mean, makes perfect sense, right? Totally. I love it. Totally. The GTL thing takes on a whole other meaning. There's when... like also elements of gay culture to that as well. Well, yeah, like... of course. That's because it's like <laughs> Italians are gay as hell. Yeah, Especially right. Italian men. Yeah. Italian men are fucking gay. The line dude. between like machismo and just gay dudes is. It's the thinnest so line. Thin. It's paper thin. That line. <laughs> 
It doesn't take much to get over no. that line. What's more that, macho than making out with your brother? Nothing. Nothing. That's folks. the that's the height <laughs> height of masculinity. <laughs> Fucking your brother is the height of masculinity. Okay. No woman could satisfy my <laughs> sexual urges. Not like a man could. No. no, absolutely not. Sarah Triani writes in her piece. Also, I love these extremely Italian American yeah, people. Yeah, I love how Tricarico and Triani yeah. are writing these. Yeah, like these extremely Italian American people doing this research. What do you think it looked like when they defended their dissertation? <laughs> hey, Doc, hey, hey Don. Hey, oh. <laughs> I got a little thing about the Guido over here for you. <laughs> so, Sarah Triani writes. In her piece, Guido culture, the destabilization of Italian-American identity on Jersey Shore, what distinguishes the depiction of Italian-American identity on Jersey Shore and merits further consideration are the ways in which its stereotyping of Italian-Americans may assume a didactic function and support the idea of a more fluid and dynamic Italian-American culture. Jersey Shore disrupts the notion of a unitary and stable Italian-American culture by illustrating that the Italian-American identity of the cast is not fixed or established, but rather resembling the late capitalist, late capitalist youth identities discussed by Ratanzi and Phoenix, quote, always in process, always in a relative state of formation. So while the Jersey Shore cast was mostly made up of cast members who had varying levels of Italian ancestry, and as I pointed out, one who wasn't Italian at all, it provided a necessary break in that singular vision I mentioned before and actually provided a deeper look at the identity politics and differences that make up an ethnic and cultural group. What's even more fascinating about it is that it was a distinctly youth-led and maintained ethnic cultural group. When you think about it like that, you can view it the same way that we view other youth-created and dominated subcultures a way to exist and make sense of a fractured and broken society that wants us all to perform a specific function when we really don't want to. Wow, very cool. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I never thought I'd think so deeply about uh, Yeah, I didn't either because I started reading shit about Guidos yeah. and I was like, oh, God, that makes so much sense. Yeah. Maybe we should put like a warning for this episode that there's going to be some Italian slurs drawn. <laughs> <laughs> and we didn't even say no, Diego. I didn't even say it yet. <laughs> We'll put a like, warning for that, but not for faggots. Yeah, yeah that's fine. <laughs> Listen, I don't want to offend any Italians. <laughs> the first thing in my head was like, yeah, you know, I never thought about these goombas. Like, these fucking guinea so pricks much. really have a lot going on. That's crazy. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, it is incredibly performative, right? Oh, so performative. The amount of work that goes into cultivating the... The image Absolutely. is absurd. Totally. And it's meant to be absurd. Yes. Because it's all Ameri- late stage capitalism in America is absurd. Yes. It's like any of these other youth subcultures. Like if you want to consider hip hop a youth subculture, there's also a lot of time and effort that goes into maintaining that style. Of course. Too. Yeah. Tons. Tons. And it's with anything else. Goths. Mm-hmm. Also a ton of time and effort. That Punks. Also yep. a ton of time, time and effort. It's not like... You know, this like very easy thing to stand out. And that's kind of like the whole thing about it is that it's like, I don't want to just be this person that people think I am. I want to be something else, you know, and it's the performance of that something else. Yeah, I think a lot about when people criticize certain youth soul cult. Like, think of punks and people would say, oh, well, you hate 
uh, consumerism, you hate all that, and yet you buy all this shit yes. to like make yourself yeah. look this way. And it's like, well, that's kind of a cop-out because everyone is performing something. All the time. And we just choose what we want to perform, to choose to perform a subdued, like, I'm just a white guy. Like, that also takes resources and time and energy. Yeah. Maybe less, but, like, ultimately you're still performing. Yeah, and I think that what's interesting about Guidos is that, the you know, they're not consciously making this decision. These are a bunch of kids who just are doing the same things and being influenced by each other. But what I think is interesting about Guidos is it's like, they're going to take the worst parts about American identity, basically, where it's like consumerism, vanity, you know, um, competition. Mm-hmm. And then they're going to mix it up and say, okay, I these are the worst parts about American identity, but I'm still not American. Yes. Yeah. I want to have access to that, but I am not American. Don't confuse me. I My family, they were not born here. Mm-hmm. We're from somewhere else. But we're going to take advantage of everything yeah. America has to offer, bitch. And that's but, like basically what Guido's are. The most American motherfucker there is. Yeah. It's, really, it's really true. I definitely thought about that last night as I was watching some clips. The reference to being Italian, to having this Italian ethnic identity was so fundamental to who they were. Yeah. Even to the point where Snooki, who I learned just now is not Italian. Not even Italian. Took an Irish guy home who was not Irish. He was American. <laughs> okay. All these people are American, but they're pretending that they're not. So right. you have to like play up your ethnic identity. Totally. And it's and it's just a very interesting combination of things. I mean, I guess I didn't think about Guido's that deeply, like I said, until I started doing this research. But it is a very interesting combination of things. It's like, I don't want you to see me as just another like white American person. But I am. <laughs> yeah. You know what I'm course. saying? Yeah. It's like, what is that? Yeah. It's so strange. Yeah. Well, we all have like aspects of identity that we want to yeah. play up. And your ethnic identity, if that was something that was like important to you, it's an easy one to play up. Yeah. Yeah. And I think it, 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 it kind of speaks to how Italian Americans feel about themselves now. Like, I think there's still some remnant of that we were once other. Mm-hmm. And so they think it exempts them from like certain things, but they're not exempted from anything. You're still a white American person. (laughs) (laughs) And it's like, you chose that. You could have chose differently, but you chose to sell out all the other others and become this like assimilated version of whiteness that is here in the United States or as close to it as you possibly can. And it's like now people are very confused about that. They're yeah. like, wait, no, like maybe that's not what I wanted. But too whiteness, bad, bitch. Like, right? yeah, it's some story of whiteness. Stories of American yeah. whiteness. Is, totally. I guess Italians are the perfect exemplar of it because you can't really use the Irish or like other groups who aren't playing their ethnicity out as much. Yeah. Like Italians have that access to otherness in a way that other white ethnic groups don't. Yeah, definitely. And also we have this way of where our otherness has kind of permeated the culture a little bit because so many Italian foods are, like, popular in the United States and, like, Italian cuisine, Italian, you know, drinks, like, different things are very popular here. So we've permeated it in a way that other ethnic groups have not. Like, you know, we're not thinking about Irish people (laughs) that much. Well, the Irish pub. We're thinking about the Irish pub, but, like... (laughs) In certain places where that's a little bit more ubiquitous, but like some places that's not ubiquitous at all. But there's definitely going to be a pizza place or an Italian restaurant in your small ass town. Sure. You know? And another thing is that 
people who are ethnically Italian have that as part of their identity in a way that someone who maybe wasn't raised as ethnically Irish. Yeah, true. Like, they'll have that. People who are raised... Everyone in this fucking country who is white said, claims Irishness unless they claim Italianish <laughs> or Jewishness. Right? It's true. It's so true. Very yeah. few people are like, I'm a proud German-American. <laughs> no, it's like, oh, well, like, I'm, I did my ethnicity. Well, it was like want to say German? 10% uh, <laughs> Irish, so, like, I'm going to call Irish on this, right? Yeah. Like, being an Italian is like, oh, I got this big-time stamp of yeah. ethnic difference. like, we're cool. That's exciting. We're, like, the most popular ones. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. The Irish and the Italians are the most popular white ethnicities. It's true. Pick one. It's true. It's true. <laughs> If you don't want to be a wasp, you could just pretend to be one of those. Yeah. You know? That's true. It's like it's true. We are like the the leading ones. Right? <laughs> We're the winners. <laughs> We're the winners. <laughs> and being a wasp is not cool anymore. I mean, being a wasp isn't cool technically. Yes, yeah, so it's cool they in just other ways. Hold all the power. Yes. Yeah, it's not it's not actually cool, but they, you know, there's like a lot of stuff making fun of them and we have like a whole cultural history of making fun of them in different ways but yeah they just hold all the power and also, and also some of these people who are from these other groups also equally hold that power with them you know yep especially Go to the country club yeah especially if they're men mm-hmm. so it's it's like really complicated jersey shore actually brings up a lot of really complicated it's a American highly stuff. intellectual text folks <laughs> <laughs> so par four just to like, because that's kind of a bummer, what we were just talking about, that there's so much shit to parse through when it comes to American culture. Part four is my best Jersey Shore moments and quotes. Right. I did quotes specifically for you, brother, because... I love quotes. Yeah, you love <laughs> quotes, so I had to give it to you. All right, so it feels almost impossible to make a list of the best moments because I honestly don't think there's a single dud episode in any of the six seasons. Like, I think... All the episodes have something worthy. They all have something that is hilarious or ridiculous or embarrassing. And they're all worth watching, in my opinion, especially if you have the time. But I've made a top ten list of moments here. And we can talk about them a little bit if you're familiar with them or if you remember them at all. I might remember a few. You may remember a few. So number ten, I just put nearly every Ron Stop moment (laughs) is, is like number ten. Ron's stop was, like, the Jersey Shore line for most of the six seasons, which, like, Sammy would say when he was acting crazy or when they got in a fight. Now, Ronnie was the short, little jacked kind of guy who punched out the dude. Yes. 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 He... He's half Puerto Rican, so he has... Mm-hmm. The Ortiz. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So he has, <laughs> like... he's He looks he looks like a non-white person. Mm-hmm. And he's the only cast member besides Snooki that looks like that. I remember two of my close friends who were Italian-American in college thought he was the coolest guy. Wow. They really liked him. Well, because they were both short Italian guys Mm. from Long Island, New York area. Yeah, he was not my favorite. And they said, wow, you know, Ronnie, he's jacked. He, uh, you know, punched that guy. That's literally it. That's it. Yeah, which is also on my list. And he was a hothead. They could relate to a guy who got... Like, really aggressive. And the Sammy and Ronnie drama, like, ruled at least ten minutes of every episode of Jersey Shore. I noticed that. They're always fucking fighting or making up. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Or the other members of the house are trying to get them to make up. Actually, one of my top moments is, like, that moment. But, 
Yeah, they are always fighting. So my top ten, like, moment, I said nearly every Ron Stott moment, which I still stand by that. But there is a, there is an, an episode where Ronnie and Sammy have a really bad fight. And Ronnie just, like, takes all her shit and, like, puts it out on the patio. And he's like, you can sleep out here tonight. Oh, Jesus <laughs> Christ. And it's not funny. <laughs> like, it's not funny to watch it. It's actually deeply uncomfortable. But... <laughs> What is funny about it, and we were talking about this before, when you're, like, witnessing your friends do something that is ridiculous and just out of your range of ability to process, you're kind of just, like, standing there, like, what the fuck is going on? And that's what the rest of the cast does. They basically just, like, stand there, and they're like, I don't know, I don't know. They don't want to get involved. They don't want to get involved, yeah. You can't so get So it's involved. funny just to watch them kind of struggle yeah. Bring back a lot of memories of uh, my Guido Italian friends I'm sure. doing just just being awful to shit, their man. girlfriends. Hothead shit. Also, we witnessed last night in watching the Jersey Shore uh, the situation hooked up with a woman who was blacked out drunk, and everyone seemed to be laughing yes. about it. Yeah, there was a situation like she, that. How could she give consent? I don't. <laughs> and she? How could she send the paperwork? There was... <laughs> <laughs> it was terrible. I guess the next. Morning, Next morning when she's like dying of a hangover. Yeah. Okay, by the way, you're going to be on MTV. Yeah, that's really fucked up. Number nine is, this is going to Ronnie again. It was that moment that you just mentioned was when he punched that guy. Actually, <laughs> he ran and punched yeah, that guy. Classic. Knocked the guy out and said, that's one shot, kid. Dude, the guy was face <laughs> down and they like blurred his face. No one was going to help him? He's face down on the fucking pavement. Like he Somebody could be must have helped seriously him. brain but damaged. Yeah he, yeah, he was fucked up. It was and bad. Like, and Ronnie's just running away. Also, he got arrested on that episode for punching that guy. Good, you know? yeah. And he was just like running <laughs> running back to the group saying, that's one yeah. shot, kid. He needed that's a moment shot, to cool kid. off. Uh, you know, problematically, we were saying that's one shot, kid <laughs> for a long time. If you took a shot? <laughs> No, for like other bullshit, you know, like if we did really well on something, mm-hmm. we're like, that's one shot. <laughs> Very problematic. Good Ronnie. Number eight. So the actual writing of the infamous Jersey Shore note, which you probably remember, is definitely higher up on my list. But the moment where Wow and Sammy beat the shit out of each other over it is going right here at number eight. In this episode... Sammy is trying to figure out who wrote the note. And everybody is, like, trying not to say that it was Snooki and Wow, And eventually she finds out it was Snooki and Wow. And then her and Wow get into a fight. And they're just punching each other. <laughs> like, the cast is trying to get them off of each other. And Sammy delivers this line, which still... it's It was, like, seared into my memory bank. She said... Don't ever fucking hit me again. I don't fuck around. <laughs> it's like a standard thing to say to another person. And the whole time it's like she was JY was simply trying to tell Sammy that her boyfriend is an asshole. Mm-hmm. And Sammy like beat her ass and then said, Don't ever fucking hit me again. I don't fuck around. <laughs> it's like absolutely ridiculous. Number seven is the entire Atlantic City episode, which I did put on your list, but I know you didn't have time to watch everything. I didn't watch the full thing, but we watched a little bit yeah, of it. Yeah, this is just an insane episode of reality television. There has never been anything like it on, television, on reality television again. The tone is all over the place. There's confrontations happening between the cast members. There's cast members confessing shit about their lives to one another. Like, 
Snooki was telling other cast members she used to have an eating disorder in the midst of all this chaos. Mm. Mike was trying to fuck with everyone for no reason. And they make complete fool of themselves in various places in Atlantic City. And then it ends with the famous Snooki line, what happens in AC stays in AC. And you know what? I agree with her. Yes, because <laughs> most people don't crazy. go there. <laughs> if you go, you're not, you don't want to tell anyone about it. It's embarrassing. <laughs> You went to Atlantic City? In 2009, I guess Atlantic City was still happening. Mm. I don't really know, though. I wouldn't go. Hasn't been happening since the 1930s. Yeah, it could possibly be, right? Since Boardwalk Empire. Yeah, since Boardwalk Empire. (laughs) Damn, we're going to have somebody from Atlantic City be like, fuck you, bitch. We love AC. We love AC. Number six. Okay, this is not a good thing that happened, but it is a wild thing. In season one, Snooki gets punched by this random ass seaside dude. Everyone is punching everyone? Because she was trying to stand up for her friends and cast members at the club. The random dude was stealing their drinks. And Snooki was just like, hey, don't do that. And he turned around and punched her and walked away. He punched her. Yeah, he walked away. No, but nothing happened to him. It's truly insane. It's really insane. Initially, some of the cast is, like, not very attentive to Snooki because they're drunk. <laughs> but then the next day, especially, people really, like, rally around Snooki. And it kind of brings them closer together. I don't know. This one is just, like, kind of sweet. You can see their friendships, like, being solidified in this episode. And I think that's kind of cool because they are all actually friends. Yeah. Like, that's the crazy thing is that this this show brought them into the, each other's lives. And unlike a lot of other reality shows where it's just, like, for show, all of them actually hang out together. They're, like, the Fast and the Furious family. <laughs> they're always getting <laughs> together for one more job. <laughs> like, they're just, like, always together. Number five, and brother, you're going to love this. Got some banger quotes in this one. All right. Wow and Paul D.D. hook up, eventually. There's, okay. like, sexual tension between them for a couple of the episodes. And then they eventually hook up. And there's not a lot to say. There's not a lot to say about this. It's just a really ridiculous moment. And because there's cameras in the room, we get to hear what they're saying to one another. And they both drop just incredible lines. First, Polly D says, "The party's in Polly D's pants tonight." Why would you say that? <laughs> As you're about to fuck somebody, yeah. why would you say that? That's not a good thing to say. That's crazy. And then a little later, Jay Wow says. You have your penis pierced. I love it. (laughs) Why are they just editorializing what's occurring? (laughs) She has to say it like that. It's like if you were narrating what your life was like. It's so good. It's so good and so stupid. Number four. I mentioned this earlier. Mike rams his head into a wall during a fight. He's trying to get Ronnie and Sammy to stop fighting. And I don't know why, but he just, like, freaks the fuck out. He's like, I always, you are always fighting. I always stand up for your relationship. And he's, like, yelling at them. And him and Ronnie get in a fight. But mostly the fight is about how everyone else is sick and tired of Ronnie and Sammy's shit. And Mike just... Blows it out of proportion so badly that he bangs his head against the wall and knocks himself out. Wow. Like, legitimately knocked himself out. These people went for it. They, they were, really like, went for ready it. to make some big-time reality TV moments oh, yeah. on the show. Oh, yeah. They're showmen. Yeah, they were showmen. Say what you want about the Guidos and the Guidettes. 
They know how to put on a good show. They can put on a fucking show. They come from Frank Sinatra line. <laughs> the Italian American showman. The same. <laughs> same bloodline. The same guys in the Rat Pack gave birth to the Guido Guidas of Jersey Shore. It's so true. It's so true. Okay, number three. I hope you rewatch this episode, but you probably remember it if you didn't. The Jim Tan Laundry episode. Yeah, I watched it last night. Which is just really funny. That was really pervasive, I think. Yeah. At least in terms of the people I interacted yeah. with. GTL. Yeah. Very important to uh, our culture at our the culture time. Our culture at the time. Yeah, GTL was like a thing. Something so simple. Yeah. But it sounds like a nice day. It sounds like a fun... I would do that. <laughs> I wouldn't go to the tanning no, bed, but no. I'd go to the beach. Yeah, that's the funny thing is that the way that when the situation is describing it, he mentions that you get tan in order to be able to go to the beach uh-huh. and already be tan. Which I know a lot of women would agree with that line of thinking to this day. Sure. It seems absurd. It is absurd. And... But you don't want to be pale at the beach. You don't want to be pale at the beach because then you look ridiculous. Yeah, the way that ridiculous. he was talking about it, he says, I want to look fresh for everything. Yes. I always Holly want to D's look perfect. Line, fresh to death. Yeah. They always always want to look fresh. fresh it's yeah. an interesting way to live your life and to me seems very stressful well, that you constantly need to be fresh. Well, he developed a drug habit because his life was so stressful. Mm, so yeah, because he's like, I got to do gym tan laundry I think, again. I think it is very stressful. I think it is very stressful. Yeah, if all you're doing is gym tan laundry and then drinking all night and yeah. smoking cigarettes, you're going to... But this is an amazing episode because it just... They show you their little workout, which is kind of bullshit. Yep. They're not really doing anything. No, but they just do it. You and know? They, show you, they show them going in the tanning beds. They show them doing laundry. In the Florence season... They don't, they're not, they can't do any gym tan laundry. Oh, There's gosh. nowhere for them to do gym tan laundry. Yeah, they don't have the same but situation then, there. But then, yeah, but then they figure out that actually they can do gym tan laundry. And then there's an episode in Florence of them doing the gym tan laundry, like, routine, basically. And Ronnie, at the end of that episode, is just, like, the happiest little boy you could Because <laughs> he finally got Because he finally fix. got the fix. Yeah, it's so funny. Also, can we talk a second about the fantastic fashion of, of Guidos and Guidettes. really like baggy jeans baggy and a wife jeans beater. And a wife beater. Classic or the, look. The button down. Button down. The loud button down. Yeah. Yeah. Just the baggy jeans and the wife beater Classic. looks truly Sneakers. ridiculous. Yeah, not a good look. No, none of this was good. But I Spiky remember. Spiky hair that was like blown out. Yeah. None of this was a good look. <laughs> and then for the women, they have like bumpets in their hair. It was like boofed out. Mm-hmm. It was like, like a buffon. Awful. <laughs> moment number two. Okay, we're in the top two here. Number moment number two. Snooki gets arrested for public intoxication, but before that, and this is the this is the real moment. I mean, it's cool when she gets it's cool when she gets arrested because she resists arrest, and I think that that's pretty ballsy. Pretty cool. <laughs> but before that, she's running on the boardwalk. Which, for those of you who have never been to Seaside Heights, I have, of course. I'm Italian American. So. <laughs> it's the motherland. <laughs> it's the motherland. Um. <laughs> The boardwalk's right next to the beach. Like, I'm talking right next to it. There's steps. It's not like here where the boardwalk's like across. You know, it's like a little longer. Broadwalk, mm-hmm. sorry. The broadwalk is like a little longer. The boardwalk is like the place where you enter the beach in the first place. Which is how it is most pla- in most places in the northeast. Down here, it's a little bit different for some reason. But, yeah. So, it's right next to the beach. And she's running down the boardwalk yelling, Where's the beach? Where's the beach? Very drunk. In the middle of the day. 
Like mm-hmm. at 2 p.m. Good also, she's her. supposed to be working at the shore store. <laughs> she's just got blacked out and stuff. <laughs> These people have alcohol problems. Yes, they do. She said that that line, that uh, that famous line that I posted on Twitter the other day where she was like, if I want to have a beer, I'm going to have a beer. This is a t-shirt shop, not law school. She said, that's the episode where she says it, which is amazing. And then she had like 40 beers. And then she had, no, she had like 40 shots. Oh my God. Beers. She was just trying to steal <laughs> beer from Danny, but when she left, she was having shots. Okay, number one, it's probably obvious, but the note episode is my number one Jersey Shore moment because it's just so good. Trying to be good friends, Snooki and JWoww write a note for Sammy descri- describing some of Ronnie's very non-boyfriend-like behaviors at the club the night before. Nah. They go to an internet cafe to do it because they have no computer in the house. Remember back then, I think reality shows are still like this now, though I haven't watched many. They don't have access to technology. Yeah, you gotta cut off the internet access to so, phones. Yeah, they had the famous duck phone on yep. Jersey Shore. So they go to an internet cafe because they don't have a computer. And they don't want her to be able to suspect their handwriting because they think she'll know that they wrote it if they wrote it in their handwriting. So they write this beautiful note, which has become just very famous on the internet. And a lot of people do parodies of this and, and, you know, do memes of it and stuff. Still, to this day. It said, Sam, the first night at bed when you left, Ron made out with two girls and put his head between a cocktail waitress's breasts. Also was grinding with multiple fat women. (laughs) (laughs) When you left crying at clutch, Ron was holding hands and dancing with a female and took down her number. Multiple people in the house know, therefore you should know the truth. (laughs) And as I said, this led to a bigger drama in the house with Sammy trying to figure out who wrote it. She didn't believe them. You know, whole thing. It was a whole thing. So, that's just incredible writing right there. <laughs> multiple fat women? <laughs> also, was grinding with multiple fat women. Which is my favorite part of the note, obviously. <laughs> which, like, that's really funny. <laughs> it's really funny because it kind of harkens back to something Vinny says in, like, one of the earlier seasons. Where he's like, I don't care if a woman's ugly or 49 or fat. I'll dance with her. I'll dance with her. <laughs> Like, Vinny, you didn't need to say all that, all right? <laughs> cool, man. That's cool. Um, so, best quotes. Obviously, Cabs are here. Yep. I just realized why his, when he says that, he has more of a, uh, of a like, New Englander accent. Because he's and I just realized a Rhode why. Islander? Yeah, because he's a Rhode Islander. Mm. Huh. That's yep. interesting. Also, famous Polly D, it's t-shirt time. A okay. lot of you bros were saying it's t-shirt time. <laughs> Dina had a couple of good lines. Like I said, she was a blast in the glass. Yep. She was a walking holiday. But also, Dina dropped this piece of philosophy. <laughs> <laughs> People should go to school at the bar. Ah. <laughs> I don't know what you mean. Which, yes. <laughs> Dina, Dina, I agree. <laughs> like, the school... Like, is, for school, they should go to it at So the, the bar. teacher's behind the bar? <laughs> yeah. The teacher's the bartender? Yeah, but you're not learning bartending. Yeah, but you're learning about life, but you're just at the bar. Yeah, you're just at the bar. And you're but getting you're kids drunk. Bartending. Yes. Okay, good. Yeah. yeah, I agree. Yeah. 
Angelina had this great line, I am the Kim Kardashian of Staten Island, baby. Okay, all right. Which, incredible confidence on her part. <laughs> incredible. The situation, Mike and Snooki are fighting in many of the episodes, but in this particular episode, he says, Hurricane situation is headed for Snooki Island. Ugh. Which, why would you amazing. say that? I mean, why wouldn't you say that? <laughs> is the question. <laughs> Jay Wow had a couple of iconic lines, but one of the ones that she repeated quite a bit is, you can stay and get your ass beat, or you can stay and get your fucking ass beat. <laughs> That's a good one. Which is really good. I like that one. <laughs> Polly D, I got a couple Polly D's for you here, because he was just throwing, he was just giving this shit away. He was yeah. giving this content away. <laughs> First one. If that bitch still plays laser tag, she's too young for you, bro. <laughs> Which, great way to live your life. Honestly, he's right. <laughs> and then, of course, I mentioned this before. Polly said, you gotta stay fresh to death, I call it. Which he didn't make that up. No, but he didn't make He it calls up. it that. Fresh outfit, fresh haircut, fresh tan. Just stay fresh. Yeah, just Which, yeah. words to live by, really. Yeah, yeah. Sammy had a couple of good ones, too. Even though she was like... Probably, she was probably like the most hated cast member. Which why? Ronnie should have been the most hated cast member. I hated Ronnie. Because she stuck with Ronnie? Is Maybe, that why of people course, yeah. Her? There was definitely like misogyny yeah. and like anti-women shit involved in it for mm-hmm. sure. Also like, I guess she was the most normal out of them. Even though she had this like incredible relationship drama with Ronnie. She was definitely like the most normal. Mm-hmm. Like she's one that, I'm not really sure why she asked to go on the show. Or, like, why she applied to go on the show. Because her life before this was, like, she was in college and she played, like, D1 soccer or something. Weird. Yeah, it was really weird. So, I don't really know why she applied to be on the show. I guess, except to make a lot of money, which I'll talk about in a second. So, two of, two of Sammy's iconic lines. If you're not a Guido, you can get the fuck out of my face. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Which, not a good thing to live your life yeah, by, Sammy. You're not going to interact with too many people. Didn't give you anything. And then another one, which I just love out of context, and I think we can just start saying this. I yank some bitch's hair for you. (laughs) (laughs) Which, there's a lot of ways, you know, you could use that. You can implement that in your daily lives. You can. Vinny, of course, was like the... He was, besides Sammy, like the other normal one, right? He didn't get into like a lot of drama, or he tried not to get into a lot of drama, though he did still have stuff, you know, because when you're... Even if you're trying not to, if you're 20... 21, 22, drama's gonna find you. Drama it just follows happens. you, folks. So he said, you never really see me acting a fool on TV. Well, just to, like, criticize the other cast yeah. members. And Snooky's Snooky's lines, there's a lot of good ones, but here are two of my faves. First, when they get to Italy, she says, is there a moon in this country? <laughs> Nah. No. The moon doesn't hit this part of the world. <laughs> and then, and then this one, which I think will really speak to both of us, brother, will really speak to our ethos that we're trying to build. She says, I'm trying to build an empire because after this, I cannot get a normal job. That's <laughs> so true. <laughs> which is so true. <laughs> which is so true. She was right. Yeah. She was right. None she, of us should have normal jobs. Snooki certainly Snooki shouldn't was, have a normal job. Well, no. But she was also honest. She's like a mom now. 
Wow. Can you believe that these par- people are parents? I mean, they're like old now. Well, yeah, they're old. They're like our And age. people change and grow of and mature. Of course, of course. But it's just crazy to imagine them as parents. Yeah, I guess it's the same thing as imagining me at 22 as a parent yeah, now. Yeah, like, if I was a parent at 22, that's oh my no gosh, good. that's not good at all. Yeah. That would be I guess sad. they're like kind of our age, slightly older, maybe even. They're a little older than us. I mean, the by situation like, was the oldest one, right? So. Three years, maybe? Wow. Yeah, by like three years. <laughs> yeah, so they're just a little bit older. All right, part five, cultural relevance. We got to get to it. Yep. Also, this is kind of a long episode. Sorry, y'all. Anyway, <laughs> Jersey Shore's influence is still ongoing, I think. The cast still has shows on MTV, and they have huge social media followings. If you go to their pages, you'll see they have like millions and millions of followers. Nationally and internationally, the Jersey Shore phenomenon sparked the creation of other Shore shows. In the U.S., there was Florabama Shore, which was filmed in the Florida Panhandle. In Canada, there was Lake Shore, which was filmed in Toronto, Ontario, and which I have heard is severely offensive. I have not watched it myself, but I have been curious about it. And in Europe, there's Geordie Shore, which is filmed one. in Newcastle, yep. England, for everybody who's not familiar with uh, international yeah. geography. <laughs> and Warsaw Shore, obviously filmed in Warsaw, Poland, <laughs> which is crazy to I imagine. I can't even imagine. I, I can't imagine it. And just cultural relevance, I think Jersey Shore's cultural relevance is similar to that of the Jerry Springer shows. I know that seems a little bit crazy, but... I don't think just, so. Let me just... You know, the way that you were talking about all the fighting, I was yeah. like, wow, it's a really sort of 2009 Jerry Springer situation. Yeah. If you remember, in the aughts and even now, we've kind of gone back to what was happening in the aughts. Most reality television was and is dominated by the rich and powerful. Think about it. All of the Bravo reality shows are about rich people. Extremely rich people. Real estate gays. Or real estate gays. <laughs> yeah, who are extremely yeah. rich people. They're very wealthy gay real you know? estate agents. <laughs> Before Jersey Shore, on MTV alone, you had Laguna Beach and The Hills, two shows that were centered around the lives of super rich, upper-class young people who had nothing but time and money at their disposal. These were two shows my friends and I never watched. I didn't even know anyone who watched them until like a little bit later in my life when I met like other people who were like, yeah, I watched The Hills because it was ridiculous and, and full of drama. Same reason why people watch Real Housewives and stuff. Yeah. But we never really got into it like that because it just didn't speak to us in any way. All the cast members on Jersey Shore came from working class and middle class backgrounds with specific ethnic and community ties. It wasn't a look at how the majority of the rest of America lived, but it also kind of was. Where all of these shows were giving audiences a glimpse into glamorous excess, Jersey Shore offered something different. It offered a look at what it was like to be 20-something, unsure of what you want to do, and unsure of how to get it. In a lot of ways, the Jersey Shore cast was just like us. They were working and middle-class kids who were inheriting a post-recession America, a place where they wouldn't be able to get all the things they wanted unless they did something like go on Jersey Shore, (laughs) which is exactly what they did. I kind of was like, is my theory right on this? So then I tried to find stuff where people were talking about this. And luckily, I did find this article written on Jersey Shore in 2010 by Dana Vachon called Poof, The Hills Define the Boom and Jersey Shore the Bust. 
Bashar writes about Jersey Shore in juxtaposition to the hills, essentially defending it for the same reasons that I mentioned before. This is kind of a long quote, but I'm going to read it because I think it's important. He writes, American television has long stood in for American education. TV shows us how to live, how to survive in an office and a family, how to train our dogs and cook our food, how to successfully date, marry, and disarm nuclear devices. Cultural gospel holds that Jersey Shore became a hit as a triumph of vulgarity. This is wrong. Jersey Shore's success has rather to do with the offering of lessons in remedial humanity and is best understood in, in juxtaposition to the hills. We were watching Jersey Shore filled with the sort of people we deny ever knowing pre-Bernie Madoff, life-worn bikini models, drivers of Clinton-era Hondas, Ronnie Magro, but couldn't get enough of post-Bernie Madoff. The cast, having apparently sat out the prosperity, were powerfully able to show the rest of us how to go on living now that it was over. Critics called them shallow, vain, depraved. They were all these things, but it was their miraculously intact humanity that affected us the most. Quote, I am the Kim Kardashian of Staten Island, baby, said Angelina Pavarnik, carrying trash bags as luggage, demonstrating self-esteem divorced from wealth. Quote, I can never go out without my hair extensions, said Sammy Sweetheart Giancola, the show's great beauty, camera close on said hair extensions, subverting the very artifice of glamour on which the hills existed. She was adolescent, needy, took forever to get ready. And for all of his Neanderthalisms, Ronnie Magro experienced sex with Sammy, not as some airbrushed cliche pushed from the offices of Teen Vogue, but an awesome human wonder to be met with childlike awe. Yeah, he said of their consummation, we smushed. <laughs> <laughs> Beneath tans and gel, the cast of Jersey Shore showed us how to be good to ourselves and one another. Mainly, they fought for, not with each other. We stood together as a family, reflected DJ Polly D in the finale, invoking civilization's very core. And in watching, we, reco we recovered something of the past. We left the wreckage of a false and paranoid error. And like, this part I don't like, and like stroke victims, relearned to be alive on the planet. Hmm. A little bit hyperbolic at the end there. A little bit hyperbolic at the end. But very interesting take on the show in that it gave you a different vision of what the United States is like and who we are as a people. Yeah, there was nothing glamorous about it at all, but these no. were people who were trying to excavate glamour from shittiness. Right, yeah. Which is what so many of us like, are doing. kind of the working class way. Yeah. Right? Like... We're just trying to find all the cool, like, hot spots, not actual geographical places, but cool hot spots, like, cool things in our lives that we can, like, celebrate and be part of, even though we don't have access to a lot, right? Yeah. We're trying to, like, figure out what those moments are, and we're trying to hold on to them. And I think it's interesting to think of Jersey Shore in that same way, too, even though they were, like, a bunch of fucking idiots running around, which they definitely were, but also they were a lot smarter than we all thought mm -hmm. because they ended up, like, having businesses and doing these things and, and, you know, going back to school and, like, all these different things that they did after the show ended because they had the money to fucking do it, yeah. finally, in their lives. Yeah, I think I like that idea of it representing an ingenuity that you can't 
understand by watching rich people do rich people things. Like, yeah. That never appealed to me, and it still doesn't because I just find it to be not uninteresting. Like, if you have everything, why do I care what drama you manufacture? Totally. Totally. I can't relate to that. Not you have all. all the shit that you have. Not at all. I don't like that wealth porn kind of shit, but watching the Jersey Shore, I can get behind that. Yeah. I understand what's I understand. happening. I get it. I know what it's like to live in an awful house with a bunch of your shitty friends getting drunk all the time. And working a shitty yeah. ass job. And you have no fucking like, that was money. Literally, that's why I said before, literally this was our lives. Mm-hmm. Because... Yeah, we weren't ridiculous like them or over the top necessarily. Though I'm sure we all had our moments oh, of like, over the was. topness, yeah. you know. <laughs> but our lives were very similar. We were living in houses with people that were friends or partners or whatever. We were trying to scrape by, make as much money as we could, trying to survive basically, going out all the fucking time, drinking until we blacked out, yeah. <laughs> hooking up with awful people. Yeah. <laughs> And working our shitty fucking jobs that we didn't want to go to. Yeah. So much of Jersey Shore... The funny thing about revisiting Jersey Shore is that so much of it is this, like, workplace drama of not wanting to go to work. Of, like, getting themselves up and, like, forcing themselves to go to work at their shitty job because they know they have to. Otherwise, Danny can evict them from the house. (laughs) You know what I mean? Like, that's crazy. That is... We're still living... I feel like millennials kind of are still living that life in some ways. Mm-hmm. A lot of us are still like, oh, I don't want to go to my shitty job, but I have to. Otherwise, I'm going to get evicted from my apartment, yeah. you know? Yeah, we can understand that struggle so much more. So to view the Jersey Shore through a working class <laughs> Marxist lens. Yes, which very I'm going to do because it's me. Yes. <laughs> you know, I'm going to do it because it's me. Because to diminish this thing that was such a huge cultural moment, even if you don't want to watch it, you don't have to watch it. Some of the episodes, maybe if you're not really engaged, maybe not easy yeah, for you're to get through. Not want it, yeah. But to know that this is incredibly important, and it's important for the reason that we could relate so many of us in our age group yeah. to the struggle that they had, also to the horseshit drama and, and the hooking up or whatever. Like, we all like that kind of shit. But ultimately, it was because they were regular people. They were just regular people, and we just wanted to see that. Mm-hmm. And, like, they were regular people who were the same, near the same age as us, you know? And I think also just... That feeling of, like, recognition of, like, okay, there's a moment in one of the seasons where Polly D has, like, a fan who's following him around. And it's, like, that is such a mundane thing. Like, you, people experience that whether you're on TV or not. Mm -hmm. You know? Like, there's somebody who has a crush on you and won't leave you the fuck alone. Mm -hmm. Like, there's so many moments of, like, mundanity in the show but it's just so funny because of their reactions to it, you know? And it, and if you look back, probably your own reaction to that, that kind of mundanity in your own life was similarly funny, but in the moment we just can't feel it. So watching somebody else do it is like a lot of fun. Yeah. And just watching somebody else kind of go through it is, it offers a lightness to our actual experiences. Yeah. Even it's if true. it's, like, a little manufactured, which it was. Yeah, so. you're, you're able to watch what your life yeah. looks like, and it gives you perspective about how absurd your yeah, existence is. Yeah, which all of our existences are absurd. Mm-hmm. And I can't imagine, I don't know if anybody who's listening listens to Family Vacation, but if you, I mean, watches Family Vacation. If you do, please let me know. But I can't imagine watching Family Vacation now, because they're all fucking rich now. And it's like... 
I don't know. That's a different show. Is. That's their show now. That's oh, like their okay. show. Yeah, 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 yeah. I'm, I'm not interested in that. Yeah, rich I'm people. not interested in that at all. <laughs> I don't want to see them rich. I want to see them poor. Yeah. <laughs> There's nothing interesting about that. There's rich nothing people. interesting about that. Now, I'm sure that they're still funny and Polly D probably still has one liners and shit, but like, yeah, it's not as interesting anymore. Because mm-hmm. I'm poor still and they're rich now. <laughs> that fucking sucks. <laughs> That's a pretty good ending. <laughs> yeah, it's, good. It's, good. it's good. Anyways. Yeah, well, thanks. Anything, That's brother? great. Yeah, I'm all on board. I, I remember this as a cultural moment, and I never really interrogated it because, you know, a lot, a lot of stuff happens in my life uh, between 2009 a and... A lot of uh, stuff yeah, happened in, in culture, too. So, <laughs> <laughs> Like, I'm trying to justify why I don't know more about yeah, the Jersey Shore. That's fucked up that you don't know more about the Jersey Shore. It's your anti-Italian sentiment, actually. That is true. I am very anti-Italian. You hate, you hate Italians. And so. that's fine. Yeah. <laughs> I don't care. <laughs> it's not hurting me none. No, You're still true. my brother. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we don't love everything about our brothers. <laughs> that's yeah. sad but true, folks. Well, that's sad great. but true. Thank you, brother. This is great shit. Thank you. And thank you guys for listening. I hope that it brought back some memories for some of you jurors heads.